You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Let me ask you this. Do you like beer? Let me ask you this. Do you like free I've asked those questions in the wrong order for a reason. Because my third question I've kept until now. Do you like free beer? As a valued listener, we'd like to bestow upon you just that. Free beer. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious and painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is this. Go to www.beer52.com forward slash West Ham and cover just the postage of £4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener to the Stop Hammer Time podcast, you'll get two extra free beers. So... That's ten free beers, if you've been paying attention. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise, then, that they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 delivers a case with a different theme. Themes have included German, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California... New Zealand, and many more. But they haven't forgotten their roots. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands, as well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy. Your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive, and a beery snack is thrown in just to top it all off. You don't like dark beers? Who cares? Choose the light plan. Easy. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash West Ham to get your case free. And don't forget, right now, the Stop Hammer Time podcast listeners will get two extra free beers. I thank you. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer time, and it's another self-isolating stop hammer time this week. Uh, three of us uh, doing the show from three different secret locations. Uh, with me, as always, uh, Jim Grant. Good evening. Jim, Hi. how is uh, how self-isolating working out for you? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. We're coping. Yeah. Are, you, are you getting outside at all? Yeah, we take the dogs for a walk. We've got lots of lovely uh, stuff to walk, you know, places to walk right, right by the house, so... What do yeah. you think is the thing you've stockpiled most of? Uh, what have I stockpiled? <laughs> uh, I have to say uh, beer. Beer? You've stockpiled beer. a lot of beer. There's something slightly yeah. predictable, uh, depressingly yeah. predictable about that, <laughs> upsettingly predictable. Uh, joining us also, uh, um, one of our uh, most uh, loved guests on Stop mm. Hammer Time. And also, uh, the boot was on the other foot because I did your podcast a few days ago, didn't I? Sam Delaney. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, good, how are you? All right, thanks, yep. How are you? Getting out Getting out much? I went out for a jog today, uh, this morning. I really enjoyed it. it was, I mean, it is mad. It, the, 
some of the things that you can see and do at the moment are quite unique. Although it's a tough time for everyone, you know, I thought I'll go out for a run and if I see any other follow fellow runners, I'll, you know, keep my distance. Yeah. But you're, it's, it's like a movie because you're running through all the streets that you know. Yeah. I was yeah. running along by the Thames Road and it's just empty. It's incredible. Um, and Nick, a lot of it looks extra beautiful, Phil. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you, you, you run, I was running by the River Thames and there's a lot of beauty in that anyway. But at a time like this, it's sort of almost more vivid. And, you know, I'd encourage people to, to go out and absorb that in any small way that they can um, in a safe way, obviously. Because yeah, you're not really supposed to be encouraging people to go out. No, but I'm not saying go out. I certainly don't go out and cuddle anyone. I no. went out for a jog and I kept well within, well, well outside two meters of anyone. But I, even um, if you're, even if you've got a bit of a back garden or looking out your front window, take all I'm saying is take solace in nature, lads. You yeah. uh, something in your manner in the last uh, few minutes makes me think that perhaps you're writing poetry, talking uh, about the. Yeah. The beauty of London's empty streets and yeah. uh, the the magnificence of the Thames as well, as she thunders through our great metropolis. Yes. Um, taking well, solace Thames. in the nature of your back garden. It feels like you. It feels like there's some poetry. Yeah, I, th- I think that might be one of the. Well, you could say the positives. You might say the negative impacts of these dark times is that I may have discovered an until now sort of latent poet. Jim's poetry is is much well, lauded. Uh, well, I know, I know. I mean, maybe that's yeah. it. Maybe I'm, I mean, so, the thing is, Jim's sort of guy that when I'm in his presence, I <laughs> I put on airs and graces. I'll be honest. You, you do, yeah, yeah. I do. I don't know. Yeah. If, I mean, you, I don't know if you still do that after all these years, Phil. I mean, obviously, you spend more time with him, but he's one of those guys that I start re- overreaching for certain yes. words or phrases or notions yeah. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. I, intellectually <laughs> are probably yeah. beyond me. But I'm trying to impress the guy. When I go to West Ham matches with Jim, I quite often revise before I go to them. (laughs) And I've seen you. You carry a pocket thesaurus with you, don't you, as well? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And certain uh, keywords I've had tattooed on my body. Mm -hmm. Uh, The thing is, he's got... um, He's a schoolmaster, and he does have a schoolmasterly presence. So you almost feel like you're being assessed at all times. Secretly assessed inside his mind. He is grading us. Yeah, continuous assessment. That's uh, (laughs) rather than than an exam-based friendship with Jim. (laughs) He's assessing us continually. It's all coursework. He sees everything as coursework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've given you both an A star. Oh, thanks, Phil. Oh, Jim, that's that's very kind of you. Um, uh, Yes, I've been out running. Uh, I live near... Finsbury Park. I live 30 seconds from Finsbury Park and also the Parkland Walk, which is a popular joggers spot. And both of those places are continually joggers. joggers. Oh, okay. Sorry. Joggers spot. Oh, yes. Not a doggers. (laughs) No, sorry. I I thought I'd misheard you. But yeah, either way, no judgments, you know. Full of full of runners. I mean, the absence of people going to work has been replaced by uh, a plethora. And I'm only saying that because we're with Jim. Yeah. uh, yeah. Of of people out there um, running around. It's it's uh, highly populated by runners. Uh, And of course, they they pass um, uh, within uh, a non-state sanctioned distance of each other but only very briefly for a brief tenth of a second they pass each other so yeah. there's a, a constant uh, defying of the rules of uh, uh, of um, social distancing but uh, only for you know, a, a microsecond each time um, and obviously i mean i like to have people pass me drinks and uh, put a foil blanket around me when i go out jogging <laughs> uh, um so that none of that can happen none of i that. like it when you run past someone and they hand you a plastic cup and mm. you sort of just th- fling it in your own face and then crush it and chuck it. <laughs> yeah. Chuck it in right. the curb. Yeah. Yeah. I what, like to, we, I like we to... found on the, uh, on the kind of footpaths around where, where we walk uh, through woods that are often just like a kind of single track, quite narrow and you've got kind of brambles and stuff on either side. Um, something is beginning to develop in the, in the, in the kind of etiquette of social distancing that is a bit like the equivalent when you're driving on a sort of single track, road with passing places you know like you kind of find a passing place and you kind of step aside with your dogs and you kind of invite the other people to walk kind of past at a safe distance but there's no but you haven't got headlights you can flash 
So I think we need to kind of create a kind of a, a signalling system to say, look, you know, we're letting you come because there's a passing place here. I think we should, uh, you know, have flashlights or something. People don't really seem to know what two meters is, do they? They, uh, no. they, 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 they. There's a lot of confusion about this, and I don't think the government have been quite clear enough about exactly how long two meters is. I mean, what I, all I'm saying is, Phil, how are we supposed to know? We're not um, scientists. We're not no. doctors. We're not <laughs> measuring people. We are, we are not measurists. We're we are, not measurists. We are. Uh, uh, I'm. I'm six foot. Nothing is is my height. Uh, you. You seem a similar height to that. So I'm, I'm six foot two. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. I'm two meters. Two. two meters is not much. Uh, is not much greater a distance than that. So um, people no. people quite often uh, are creating distances between themselves of up to 10 yards, thinking Sorry, that Bill. that's probably about two metres. Well, can I just ask you, are you a scientist? Did you qualify <laughs> from a university in science? Do you have an MSc? He's got a maths A level. I've got a maths A level, yeah. Well, um, yeah. You're, you're, you've come on here. All right, it's your podcast, so I suppose you can get away with it, right? But... You're talking, and this is what's infuriating me about this whole situation with the coronavirus. It's like all the stuff, the fake news you get spread every day on WhatsApp. People saying, oh, drink hot drinks. Apparently that gets rid of it. Oh, well, obviously no one told China or Italy that all you needed was a cup of Nescafe. And you're part of the problem because you're on here confidently telling people how far you think two metres is when you, just like me and Jim, have absolutely no way of possibly knowing what constitutes two metres. It could be the length of a football pitch. It could be the length of a small s- school um, ruler. I know, I know two metres. Yeah. Jim, you are a man of the arts and a noted man of the arts. You are a literary man. You are not a man of science. Yeah. A lot of uh, religious people believe that uh, two meters simply doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> simply, uh, well, if you just... read the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, there's several passages that imply just that. Uh, well, they believe. I, in I, it... am, I am disappointed that the party of get Brexit done is doing it in meters and not cubits. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, religious people believe in uh, intelligent measuring. Uh, yeah, they they believe that uh, at some point some divine being uh, decided how long things were. Uh, on the first day, he did inches, and then on the second and low, it was good, so he did feet. And then he went metric after that, and then he did weights towards the weekend, <laughs> like, like grams and pounds. In, and then he, and bushels, he did bushels too. Yeah. In, no, in ancient times, in ancient times, you if you were found to be measuring something or even speculating as to the actual height or length of, of an object or person, they would hang you as yes. a witch. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, luckily, we've moved on from those times. Thank God. Yeah. But still. Yes. Not, it's um, not all I'm saying is let's not go too far back the other way. No, no. Right. And go so far the other way that we are enslaved by the idea of measurement. True, true, yeah, true, absolutely. Um, let the people decide uh, yes, how long two right. metres is. Uh, leave it up to the people to decide, not the yeah. so-called experts. We're yeah. free human beings. We should yeah, be yeah. in control of what we believe two metres to be. Yeah. And everyone's going to have their own viewpoint, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Get measuring done. Yes. So, 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 Sam, I was on your. You're doing a podcast about West Ham. Um, it's mm. called U Irons, isn't it? Yeah. U, as in the letter U, and then Irons. And, uh, and yeah. I did it the other day, and uh, it was good. Oh, we had a, uh, a podcast roundtable, didn't we? We did very um, much so. We were with the guys. So it was you and um, ex WHU employee yeah, yeah. from the West Ham Way podcast, and Sean from more than just a podcast so yep. it was all all the big hitting podcasts plus um, my one which is new and not yet a big hitter but the thing is mine was launched with the the athletic which is the sports website to be uh, you know I, I love obviously i love stop hammer time and um and i occasionally listen to the other podcasts as well but i thought well let's do one the athletic said do you want to do you want to do a podcast and i said well there's already really good west Ham podcast but no one does post-match reaction. 
So let's just do a short little bulletin one that's 25 yeah. minutes straight after the game. So we thought that was a good idea. Um, and then football ended. So yes. Yes. it wasn't such a good idea anymore. Um, so that's why I thought that. So now, but we want to carry it on. But suddenly the whole sort of premise for the podcast has been destroyed. Yes. Uh, so then that, that's why. So I don't know. I mean, the first week of this stuff, we had Tony Cotty on as a guest, who I know you've had on here before. Yeah. And he yeah. was great. And then we had him on the phone from his isolation rig. Yeah. And um, actually, Tony Cotty, this is, this is good, actually. You might have seen this. I don't know. Tony Cotty had actually done that day a video guide to washing your hands properly. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, excellent. excellent. I mean, Tony Cotty was my hero when I was a kid. Like, my number yeah. one, you know, of course, he was everyone's hero. He was Ham, but he was my, when I was a kid, he was my number one idol. He was on my, you know, my, my uh, exercise books on my wall. And I just thought, isn't that wonderful? That you can watch Tony Cotty, yeah. one of our greatest <laughs> ever goal scorers, give, yeah. giving you a tutorial on how to wash your hands clean of virus. It is it is a wonderful thought. Mm. Uh, what better? Because obviously people have uh, again uh, our, lack, uh, our lack of trust of experts. People mm. are going to uh, take lessons on how to um, uh, conduct basic household chores from people they love and admire. So, um, who can, well, who can you trust now? Who can you trust if not Tony Cotty? Exactly. I yeah. mean. Yeah. That's who that's who you turn to for guidance at times like this. Yes. What I mean, would to, what would Tony do? Exactly. What, what would, would Tony, Tony do? do? And I went on his Twitter and there he was showing me how to wash my hands. And I've I've washed them the to- using the Tony Cotty method oh, every yeah. day ever since. You you hang around the sink until yeah. Frank McAvenny passes <laughs> you the soap. I'm a sink hanger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think the um, only person I would trust more than Tony Cotty is actually uh, Sir Trevor. So Trevor, oh, can you imagine? They had, they had Trevor Brookin standing at those podium at five o'clock yeah. on the briefings. If Trevor mm. Brookin was standing there, nah, the, yeah. the, the, state, well, yeah. the state of reassured calm that would, yeah. that would seep through the nation would be extraordinary. Yeah. It'd be like, like I say, like I say, um, yeah, unfortunately, the numbers are going up, but we, like I say, <laughs> trying to flatten the curve. And the I'll say flatten the curve. We're trying. Well, no, I mean we are trying to flatten the curve. Well, I'm reaching here for a good impression. It's not bad, but I've not, not tried bad. it before. It's not bad. That was pretty good. One, uh, one, one interesting sidebar to doing your uh, podcast the other week is that, as we know, XWHU employee is very keen on keeping his uh, identity secret mm. from everyone else. But we did it by by Skype. Yeah. So uh, his name just came. His real name. <laughs> Just came up we on know his name. <laughs> I feel I feel scared to have that information now in my yeah. brain. Do you yeah, feel? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've almost deliberately forgotten it. I've been I, trying I, my best, but I, I can't eradicate yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, and now I know it. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, that was very, <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> it just it just came up on our screens so that we could all see it. Uh, it was very funny, um, but. Uh, in lieu of a, a game of West Ham football to talk about, um, while we were doing uh, U-Irons on uh, whichever day it was last week, Wednesday, I think, um, the club on their website and YouTube channel were showing uh, for the sake of nostalgia, but also because of a lack of, of actual current football, they were showing the last game at the Bolin, the uh, the um, triumphant uh, uh, 3-2 defeat of Manchester United. And uh, I believe you watched that, Jim. Uh, we should, yeah. we should yeah. talk about that. Yeah, talk. It was, yeah, yeah, it was really enjoyable. I got into it. I almost yeah. kind of uh, there's something really rather enjoyable about watching a game where you go down and score a late winner, and you kind of instead of the usual, there is tension in a way, but you kind of know that it's like watching a film where you know there's going to be a happy ending. There's it, a lot it, of tension uh, in that game, isn't there? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, um. It, they score. A, no, we score early, don't we? Sacco, Sacco ten, 10 minutes or something. Uh, yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, and then they equalise in the second half. Is it? Yes, Martial. Right. Yeah. Sort of like we uh, hang on to one nil for a long time. They yeah. equalise quite early in the uh, quite early. In early the in the second half. Yeah. yeah. Then their then, winner. 
on is, about three minutes, I think. So uh, they 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 go two one up. Is that Martial again? There's Martial again, and it's a really bad. I hadn't realised, especially obviously, it happened at you know we were used to be in the um, the Bobby Moore, so it happened at the uh, at the at the Trevor Brooking end. Um, yeah, uh, it was a really bad goalkeeping error from Randolph. Interestingly, yeah, I'd uh, forgotten that Randolph failed. finished that season. Did did yeah. did uh, Adrian pick up an injury or something? Yeah, it must have done. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Randolph finishes yeah. the season. Doesn't I mean, um, I, I mean, I was so caught up in a way. I was so caught up in the kind of everything else around the game and the emotion of it and everything that I, I, I kind of had slightly hazy recollection of the actual match, apart from the kind of the two, the, the equaliser and the winning goal were very... Well, well yeah. Very just, but the rest of the game, just to, you know, I, 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 I got quite hazy about it. And I haven't yeah. really remembered what, what was striking was how completely we dominated the game. We yeah. Had, Absolutely battered. We played them off the park in the first half, especially. Yeah, yeah. And we we spurned a lot of chances. I think we did. Yeah, which, we should have you been know, two or we, three. We, yeah, yeah. Um, it was still Van Hall, wasn't it? Louis Van Hall at that yes. time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then the um, the our equaliser is Antonio. Antonio. Our right back, Mikhail Antonio, in That's that right. game. Yeah. Uh, and that's late, isn't it? It's late. And we think, oh, well, to all. And then uh, Reed steps up with a winner on about the yeah. Yeah. 85th, 86th minute. Thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing, amazing uh, yeah. shape of the game. You know, yeah. it could it could be a slight keeping error from De Gea. He kind of should have saved it. He kind of gets a good hand to it and doesn't quite keep it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. It was brilliant. Do you remember that game, Sam? Yeah, I remember that game really well. I went with my brother, Dom, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it was just, it had the lot, didn't it? I mean, even, you know, the disturbances outside the ground. Mm-hmm. Although, of course, you know, they were wrong and awful. At the same time, the atmosphere that they generated, it was like, it was like God had sort of the god of football had kind of rolled up every great moment and every great element of going to West Ham over the years and chucked it all down at once because the atmosphere outside the ground, the whole kind of the, the, the sense of anarchy and kind of mild menace, but at the same time, not really. Um, just sort of the, the madness, chaos, anarchy, and mild menace before around the streets of Upton Park, combined with the the sort of lunacy and excitement and thrills and spills and ebb and flow of the match itself against a club like Manchester United. Yeah. To me, the whole experience of that night on and off the pitch just encapsulated West Ham, right down to the at times slightly shabby uh, post-match celebration. That yeah, yeah. too was quintessentially <laughs> West Ham. Like, I yeah, wouldn't want it yeah. any other way. No, I mean, no. you know, Tottenham, Tottenham's one. Uh, they had, well, funny enough, my brother Theo's a Spurs fan. He made the, he was commissioned by, he, he, he's a director and he was commissioned to make the uh, Farewell White Hart Lane film. Oh, really? Wow. And as a brother, I were, and they screened this on the final day to the whole stadium at, at White Hart Lane, and it also went out on Sky Sports. And as a brother, I was very proud of him, and I suppose as an objective sort of uh, uh, observer, I thought, oh, a very well-made film. But as a wildly partisan Spurs-hating West Ham fan, I thought, they got fucking Kenneth Branagh to narrate the whole thing, right? <laughs> Do you know what he sounded like? He sounded like me trying to impress Jim, right? Oh, no. It, it was embarrassing. Like, suddenly, oh. Branagh, right, has announced himself as a bloody Spurs fan, right? Which, right. for a start, yeah. was just weird, as if, like, oh, who should we go to? The, someone to really capture the spirit of White Hart Lane and someone who's synonymous with Tottenham and a passion for this great club. Well... It's got to be Branner, hasn't it? And yeah. Branner did this awful, lovey sort of theatrical, uh, poet, you know, poetic sort of performance. And it was the whole thing was just that horrible and stupid. But sorry, Theo, it was great. You're a great director. But 
uh, West Ham's one. You do, you wouldn't want all that, would you? I liked it that it was no. sort of like Marlon Harewood in a black cab bundling yeah. across, <laughs> yeah, yeah. bundling inexplicably driving across the pitch at Upton Park, while Ben Shepherd and that girl off Sky Sports just looked confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and some fire shot out of the ground. It was bloody <laughs> yeah. great. I loved it. Uh, Cockney Rejects. Cockney Rejects played. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Everything was, was great. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was great. It was great. It was a. It was a fantastic day. But it is. It's. It is a. You know, a, a great game for the neutral because it's. It's. You know, the goals happen at the right time for to. You know, keep the kind of tension uh, of that game right up until the. You know, last gasp winner and uh, well, it's a fantastic game of football. The intensity of it. You know, the pace of it, it was really it was a brilliant game. We played fantastically well yeah yeah um one or two performances really stood out you know that that you you, that yet you take you aback really i I was shocked at how good andy carroll was Uh, absolutely bullied their um their central defense smalling had an absolute nightmare against him and he Mm -hmm. and you know um and lanzini Lanzini absolutely ran that game he was he was brilliant he outshone pyatt on that on that night pyatt had a kind of Quiet game by his standards, but then assisted for the two goals, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. with pinpoint uh, balls into the box. But um, but Lanzini was just imperious, and it, it makes you realise just how, you know, what a shadow of himself he's, he's become since that injury, really. Yeah. He was just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's a show. Well, maybe we'll see. Uh, maybe we'll see the I best of him again. So. But he said, "Yeah, you really hope so, don't you?" Because yeah, it was, it was, it was fantastic that night. All right. Um, well, let's uh, carry on uh, after this message. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct. Something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Uh, yes, we, we were talking about that 2016 uh, last game at Upton Park. Um, yes. Um, now we are in a period of uh, uh, no football, and uh, on the on the uh, on the day of uh, doing your podcast, Sam, we didn't get around to it. But I was thinking. Uh, um, I was just starting to think of games that didn't happen to us because obviously we've now not played Wolves, yeah. not played uh, Spurs, and I don't know who we were supposed to not play this weekend, but we haven't played I them, call them I call them ghost matches. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly, yes. Um, but I was thinking about matches that got kind of uh, um, called off at the last minute um, because one game that popped into my head, uh, Jim, was one that would have been around 95. It was a weeknight. And we used to go to the central after game. So the game got called off. I don't know if we were inside the ground when it was called off. I think we were maybe queuing outside it was called off. So we went to the central and uh, Cotty was in there. Was that, was that a game against QPR? Yeah, QPR. QPR. I think yeah, it was a waterlogged pitch. The pub. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one I was going to say. Right, right. Yeah, waterlogged pitch. I just researched that before the game. It was, it was, it was pouring down with rain. It was absolutely, yeah. it was madness. Yeah, and um, hang on, I've, I've researched this somewhere. I think it was 90, February nineteen ninety five. That's yeah. right, it was. Yeah, it was February nineteen ninety five, and yeah. it was a midweeker, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in the week, definitely. And I, I, I think I was a student, and I'd come all the way up from Brighton, which is I was at Sussex University. I, I used to I kept my season ticket when I was at university. We used to come up, me and my mate, for all the games, and we got all the way up there. And uh, arrived at the supporters club, and about five minutes after we got there and ordered our first pint, we were told it was called off. 
Right. Uh, but so sometimes the sense of anarchy, the sense of anarchy that sort of surrounds you when something completely unexpected like that happens yeah. is really exciting and fun. Because suddenly you had a whole evening in, on, uh, on your hands in London that you weren't expecting. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, we went um, and we went on a uh, wonderful uh, with everyone else who we were meeting up with at game went on a wonderful drunken adventure. <laughs> right. So very fond memories of that night. Did you go into town or just stay in the sports? No, store? we were supposed to go back to. We usually, you know, after the game, got the last train back to Brighton. Right. But we were in a supporters club, and one of my brothers is a QPR fan. And yeah. he was coming along to watch it with us. We'd got him a ticket. And at the last minute, my bird brother had just mentioned the Tottenham fan. He thought, oh, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. If the others are all going, I'll, I'll come too. And so we all met up in the supporters club. And when the game was cancelled, we thought, well, we might as well stay here. It's pouring down rain. We'll keep drinking here until mm-hmm. they throw us out. And when we got out, it was myself... One of my brothers is a West Ham fan, one's a QPR fan, one's a Spurs fan, and a bunch of other West Ham fans we were with. And my brother's QPR fan is, when he's drunk, he's a very, we we call him Lord Shovington when he's drunk, because he becomes right. extremely shovey and obnoxious. Right. He's one of those drunks. Yes. And so what he decided to do is we stumbled out at closing from... Um, from the supporters club, you know, down, what's it called? Castle Road, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, in East Ham, just, yeah. just by the entrance to Bobby Moore. Yeah, As we yeah. came out, he decided he was sufficiently drunk to think it would be a good idea to start singing QPR songs. Right, yes. And for one moment, I thought, oh, no, this is awkward because now my brother is going to get set upon by some West Ham fans and I will find myself torn between a sense of fraternal love and protection and, you know, West Ham. Yeah. <laughs> but then whilst this was flashing through my mind, I heard my other brother, Dom, who is a West Ham fan, call in to me and the rest of our friends, come on, let's beat him up. And right. so we did beat him up. We, <laughs> we beat him badly. Uh <laughs> And drunkenly, so we beat our own brother up outside the supporters club. (laughs) I mean, I was only 19 at the time, and it seemed like tremendous fun. And I'd half forgotten this until you mentioned you mentioned the other night this game. And so I, I've got a brother's group on WhatsApp between the four of us that I've been communicating. We've all been chatting a, a lot, you know, during this lockdown period. And so you said about games, and I, I remembered, but I couldn't remember any details. So I I texted, I said, was there a game in the 90s that we all went to Upton Park and got rained off? My brother Cass said, yes, that was QPR. I remember really well because you all kicked my head in outside <laughs> the your supporters club. Brilliant. What made it even worse was even my brother Theo, who was a neutral in the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. he, he didn't have to claim a side. He was a Spurs fan. No one knew he was a Spurs fan, but he could have said, like, he joined in. Because it's yeah. that disgusting herd mentality, isn't it, Phil? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Some, once yeah, someone yeah. goes down and their drink's been had, people just want to stick the boot in, whoever yeah, yeah. it is on the floor. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. inside, you're just delighted it's not you. I mean, is there anything good that's got the word herd at the beginning of it? Herd immunity. <laughs> herd immunity. Herd immunity is good, yeah. Boris Johnson, he reckoned that that would work, and then he got it. Through mm. through his own use of his own idea, which was herd immunity, go around yeah. and actively shake more people's hands than you yeah. would have if you didn't have the coronavirus. No but, you, no, but it is working because in order to become immune, you have to first get it. Yes. So by getting it, he's got it, and so he's the real hero. I mean, if we we haven't got it, so we're the cowards. Um, but I we think, might. Got, I think that's how the theory works. We might have got it and don't know because we're yeah. immune to it. Yeah. So we are already exercising oh, maybe, herd immunity maybe. by not getting it to the extent that we don't even know we've got it. We had a bit of a cold for a couple of days. Well, I'll then, tell you this much. Back in 1995, there my brother Cass had no immunity whatsoever from oh. a right good kicking from a bunch of West Ham fans and one uh, Spurs fan yeah. and yeah. three of his brothers. Excellent, excellent. What a heartwarming, it's a lovely heartwarming story, tale. isn't it? It's yeah, a lovely yeah. story. Games yeah. used to um, 
before before under pitch heating games didn't go ahead uh, often around Christmas and New Year. That's that's why we didn't win the league in eighty six. Yeah, that's why we didn't win yeah. the league in eighty six. In yeah. fact, that which reminds me, um, I have to bring this up. I was listening to last week's episode of this show, uh-huh. and I always enjoy it when Jim loses his shit. <laughs> and yes. there was a, there was a hor- there was a, an ugly. Yeah sickening moment on last last week's um last week's episode you where, noticed that too yeah yeah it was horrible you rightly yeah. pulled jim up on it i did yeah the, yeah the show had been a very pleasant listen yes and then all of a sudden jim said started say the most ugly vitriol started dripping from Jim's lips about <laughs> Liverpool Football Club. Something uh, snapped, didn't it? It, it did. was, like a, it was, like it was light, astonishing. It's like it was a light a st- switch was turned on. And, and I yeah. could tell that you were actually scared. I mean, I was yeah. glad that uh, I could tell that you were grateful not to be in the same room as him. I was. I became very afraid, and uh, uh, in fact, they conducted the rest of the podcast uh, with the laptop and myself different sides of the door at a safe uh, distance. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was it was reminiscent of Jim's outburst all those years ago about the original um, mm. uh, Jimmy Kebe, the original Jim yeah. Grant outburst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was reminiscent. It had a touch of that about it, yeah. and it was mad. But it was because, and I was sort of, you know, I was shouting at my own iPhone, right? <laughs> like you know, people sometimes shout at the radio. It's a podcast. So I was shouting at my iPhone. I said, "But Jim, it was because we didn't have under soil heating. It wasn't their fault." <laughs> and that, yeah. hey, that's true, Jim. Well, I mean, it wasn't their fault and, they won the league. And and, and uh, endless replays in the FA Cup. We had that cup tie against Ipswich that just yeah. went on and on and on and on. Is that, is that, that, that sort of with the orange ball? Those are all legitimate excuses, yeah. right? And they're all, but Liverpool had nothing to do with any of that, Jim. Yeah. But, you know, try telling, try telling Jim that. that. I've tried <laughs> so many times. Title, but they still denied us getting into Europe. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was it. You blame the high still stay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never. I've, I've, yeah, because well, I'm that was the know. really. Uh, that was it. That was the really <laughs> bad thing about high wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was uh, it was haunting, harrowing. It was um, it was like Enoch. That's Howell's why Rivers everyone was, was so cross. That's why yeah. that's why everyone was so angry about what happened. Why, yeah, why I was angry. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then the other other called off games were the uh, the um, uh, floodlight failure against Crystal Palace. Yeah. Oh. Wasn't, that that game was... wasn't there a dodgy betting syndicate from Malaysia yeah, think, involved? In yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah, it, it was at that time because I think it had happened at a couple of other games as well. Uh, the did floodlight we just rise and then the lights went. Was it two all? It was two all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and the floodlights just went an out. Equalizer and the lights went out. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And that was that was it. Everyone they, yeah. they were going. We have to go home now. Uh, yeah. And that was it. Extraordinary. Um, <clears throat> and it was it was at the height of that kind of Malaysian betting syndicate scandal that there was another game where. Uh, Paul Kitson yeah, inexplicably ball. kicked yeah. the ball out from the kickoff of the game, I yeah. think. That's my memory of it. And my memory yeah. of these things is often inaccurate. He no, basically right. he just kicks it into the crowd from kickoff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, I think we at the time went, because I think maybe the floodlight thing had happened before that, or at least um, game rigging from Malaysian betting syndicates was in the news. And we were all going... Yeah. That was a bit suspicious when he did yeah. that. It's a bit yeah. odd, wasn't it? Yeah. And, um, yeah. So it was all very odd at that time. I've got this phantom game in my head. We've talked about this, Jim, that uh, yeah. I think maybe didn't happen. And there's a sort of conflation of several things that did happen. That there was a kind of torrential downpour of rain and we're playing a lower league team in a cup match. Rio's playing in it. And that game is called off and we have to go home. The referee blows his whistle and, and uh-huh. says, this game can't carry on. But I've looked for that game and it seems not to have yeah. existed. I can remember, I think it was a game against Newcastle, another night game that was called off like in, you know, monsoon conditions. Right. But that was before it started. Before but I, remember it started. Into, yeah. I remember getting into the ground though. And um, yeah. you know, there were puddles everywhere. And um, I remember Maybe. the referee coming out and kind of, 
throwing a ball around and sort of work, you know, will the ball roll? And, and yeah, you could see, obviously, it was going to get called off. And I remember that night particularly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I that think... was the night I was in the Nathan's queue and they ran out of pies. Right. I got I got one of the last pies in the shop. She and then came you, out, and came then you out, went went down the went down the queue, going, "How many pies do you want, love? How many pies you want? Pies, love? Who wants a pie? We've only got oh no!" And then then they kind of drew a line, and a lot of disgruntled people had to kind of leave because they Nathan's had literally run out of pies. And then Sam, you're like this. Jim went back and firebombed Nathan's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking Nathan's. They had it coming. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I've, they, uh, they, I've, they made me hungry. I've never forgiven them. They Disgusting. Ran out of and they made me hungry. Scum. Well, what, I, what annoyed me, what annoyed me uh, uh, is that there were people still having their double-doubles in front of us. Oh. Instead of, in a, in a, in a sort of spirit of, of togetherness and, and yeah. sharing, thinking, well, no, I'll just go cut down to one so that more people in the queue can have a pie. They were, yeah, no, I'm having double-double lab. And two pies, two mash, please, love. Yeah. And um, I've got a good one that I've just looked through because I found a list of them online, oh, yeah. which are actually on a programs site, rare programs, because if you keep oh, the yeah. program from a called off game, it's extra valuable. Yeah. Uh, I went to this. It was Charlton away on New Year's Day 2003. Oh. I went with my mate Nev and Darren, and we drove there. Thing I drove everyone there, and it was a fuck of a but it was a long journey, you know, all the way down to Charlton from we were all in West London, and it was a really long journey in the rain. And we got there New Year's Day, which was a bit of a miserable day, anyway, isn't it? Try you're trying yeah. to salvage something from the day by at least going yeah. to watch football. And yeah. we got all the way there, parked, got in the car. And it was announced it was rained off. And it, on this website that I'm looking at, it's got the reasons next to the, the reason for cancellation. Right. And it doesn't even say what I'll have to pitch. It just says heavy rain, which no. is a rubbish reason to claim. I mean, if, yeah. if, if, if it says waterlogged pitch, like literally it rained so much that there was puddles on the pitch, the ball wouldn't have moved. I'm just about okay. But it's just like, oh, it's raining. Oh, what, what sort of rain? Oh, it's heavy rain. Oh, yeah. we better not go out. Can't the players it, yeah. might get hurt. Yeah, all a game off not that long ago it might have been against Wolves, uh, where, where the the um, uh, was up to park, but the, the pitch was was playable, was fine, but there was some icy bits around. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, dip over. It was. There was a sort of Christmas in January. It's funny, isn't it? Because in ten years' time, we'll probably have conversations where we go do you remember when there was that sort of flu type thing and everyone had to stay in for three months and we go oh yeah and um and in fact this it was january it's 2010 is the year so it's you know so it's 10 years ago um there was this christmas in january where like you know people were just sending each other facebook clips and the tv was full of people falling over and like sort of sliding an absurdly long distance down a steep hill and uh, everyone was just falling over all the time because there was this this hardened ice that uh just never melted or it would melt a bit and then freeze again in oh, my car yeah, yeah. In my car, uh, there's a hill near me called Shepherd's Hill. And uh, I was driving back from uh, Jim, our friends, in uh, Ironbridge in Shropshire. So that was yeah. probably like just after New Year or something. Turned into Shepherd's Hill and there's a parade of cars going down, you know, like uh, uh, social distancing distances from each other, like sort of five or six yards. And then in front of me, one just very slowly lost control and uh, just banged into the one in front of it. And then those two slid down slowly together and hit one in front of them. And people were just getting out and abandoning their cars at the side of the road and sort of walking home through this treacherous ice. And um, it was quite extraordinary. And I I don't think anything had happened really like like that for years before or since then. And they cancelled that game not because of anything that happened to the pitch or anything. They were just going, it's too dangerous for people to go outside and walk around because they might fall over. Yeah, and we don't want to get sued. Yeah, yeah. It was sort of extraordinary. Health and safety so, gone mad, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Health and safety gone mad. Um, yes. Uh, that the other sad thing I was about that New Year's Day game I just mentioned that I was just 
I was just remembering it and I associate it with a very sad feeling. And I think mainly because, you know, I'm, I'm always in a bad mood on New Year's Day and it rained off and then we just had to repeat the same miserable journey we'd done all the way back again. But also, uh, I think that was either the day or the day after Joe Strummer died, Phil. Ah, oh, 2002. Three. Yeah, yeah. Oh, three, three. Right, right. Yeah. Yes. Oh, very sad. God, I didn't realise <laughs> that was go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because I yeah, remember yeah. we were listening in the car to, you know, some to cla- to the clash in, in mm. sort of tribute of him. And so it was an, there was an extra, an, you know, a West Ham game cancelled and Strummer dies all in yeah. one day. Yeah, it's yeah. A, that's a bad start to the that year, is isn't it? That is a bad scene, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is bad. That is bad. Um, moving on, let us uh, do a little bit of what we did last week with Jim Munro, because that sort of went very well as talking points. Uh, uh, we had a couple of little questions to sort of fire at each other to start start uh, a few debating points, and um, we'll sort of do that for the remaining few minutes of this podcast. Jim, what are yours? Right, so my, my two for you, for, for you chaps. Um, firstly, uh, was there a player that you liked but everyone else uh, thought was crap. Like we all mate, we mates thought he's, he's shit. Or it was generally deemed not very good. But you had a kind of you not just like them in a quirky way, in the way I had sort of kind of man love for Kevin Keane. But a kind of you know you thought he was good. Your opinion of him was he was a good player. But everyone else just doesn't understand his uh, his, mm. his, his mm-hmm. skills and his what he what he brings to the party. It's, it's funny because so, well, social media sometimes kind of uh, uh, because conversations are kept alive that would have normally sort of died closer to the to the time the player is around. I suppose for me, um, a, a classic example would be Samasi Abu, who mm. history has recorded as he was a bit of a sort of a joke somehow, you know, because of the chant with his name yeah. and all that stuff. But um there's a YouTube clip of us absolutely battering someone like Barnsley. Um, I think we beat them by like six or something. And he's amazing in it. And he's doing a lot of very modern sort of back heels and, you know, um, ways of redirecting the ball that everyone does now, but mm. didn't really do so much in about 1996 mm. or whenever yeah. this game was. And he's really good. He's really good. And I remember... Uh, because he was sort of kept out of the team a little bit by Hartson and Kitson. If they were both fit, Abu didn't really get a game. But um, he sort of, history sort of treated him a little bit roughly, as if there was this affection for him uh, that was really to do with the fact that we found a funny way of chanting his name. Um, and that's really all he was to the club. He was sort of quite yeah. good, you know. Yeah, good chat. He was good. He was a great... Um substitute in fact because yeah. Kitson and Hartson obviously famously were a great partnership but we did need backup and I remember yeah. in that era he was a he was a sort of a maverick figure because he yeah. was unpredictable in his style of play because yeah. of those flicks and and whatnot that he did which like you say was much more unusual in those days yeah, and yeah. he was he was the sort of play that you don't get anymore in fact which is yeah. a, a sort of now now you cannot be in the Premier League unless you are effectively a complete player capable of doing every single type of football, you know, Um, Um, whereas he was just someone who could come on and be unpredictable up front. And he scored a few important goals for us. He He did. Yeah. I I remember I have visions, recollections of a kind of end of the season in in which, you know, it was that period with red that where we started to finish quite regularly in the top half or be Mm. safe. Mm. Um, and so we could we could kind of relax and and there were, there were a lot of very entertaining games towards the end of the season around about that time. Yeah, and I remember there was one where he obviously must have got he played quite a few of those games because maybe someone was injured and scored quite a few goals. And I think that's where the chant thing really took off. And he scored some great goals. You yeah, know, really, really kind of. Uh, but he did he hit the, he missed the penalty in that cup quarter final replay against Arsenal. Against Arsenal, yeah. That, that's yeah. his kind of, you know, that, yeah. that sticks out, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. yeah. No, no, good one. Do you have one, Sam? Well, I was just going to flip it round on you lazily and say, who <laughs> is a 
And what was your one? Who, who's a player that you thought was good? Oh yeah. So who do you who who does everyone love? But you secretly thought I reckon he's bang overrated and shit. Um. Oh. Oh, I'm just, I, I? oh, hang on a minute, though. Hang on, hang on. Before we get on to that, when yeah. you yeah. said, do you have one? Yeah, yeah. Have do I have an answer yeah. to your yeah, question? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the reason I struggle with this is I'm unsure as to which players were regarded as shit because I kind of get it when you say a boo, but I always quite like to boo. And you mentioned briefly Kevin Keane there, who I always really thought was a great player. But I'm aware that some people used to not like him. I'm not sure if he was regarded as, as not good or not, but I always thought... I, 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 I think, think that he, is the question. I think that is that you know, that yeah. there are some that that are quite roundly not liked by a lot yeah. of people. But it not was, everyone, you know. They, yeah, I mean, I suppose, I suppose you could say, you know, probably the worst player I've seen play for West Ham regularly, as opposed to just like some player who came on loan and played one game, was Lee Chapman. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think there's no. Yeah, there, 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 he had no redeeming features. Ian Dowie, on the other hand, was had for me loads of redeeming features. But again, I'm not sure if he was. You know, I think he was quite liked, wasn't he? Um, in, well, I, I yeah. Was kind of, in a kind of everybody realised he was trying hard, trying his best. Right. That was the difference between him and Chapman. Yeah. yeah. But I tell you, what I'm going to plump for. I'm going to plump for Steve Jones. Do you remember Steve Jones? Yes. Yes. He yes. he was often vying for a place in the team against Trevor Morley and also Matthew Rush, yeah, who was yeah. the winger but could also sometimes play through the middle. And Jones was often left on the bench. But I, during that period in the early 90s, bloody loved him. I thought he was yeah. great because he, he was the quickest of all of those strikers that we had, I think. And yeah. he was – and it, it, yeah, I just thought he was quick and I thought that if we just gave him a chance – it was one of those. I was like, if we just yes. gave him a chance, he'd be able to yeah. play for England. I, I truly believe yeah. that. And it's I once, cool. uh, we cool. once at Wimbledon away, uh, we were at a Wimbledon away game at Selhurst Park when they played there. And after the game, myself and a couple of mates managed to sneak in to the players' bar. Right, we sort of blagged our way in. And ended up staying there the whole night. But it was funny because right. we were like, we were teenagers and we kind of got in there and were so delighted to be in there. But then because there was other, there was f- footballers in there, uh, but we skulked for the whole evening. We didn't go up and talk to anyone. We were too shy. But right towards the end, I did that thing. I'm going to go up and say something just before we leave. <laughs> so I went up to Steve Jones and went, Steve, I just want to say, it's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> and I reckon you should definitely be in that team of Ed and Morley. <laughs> and he's all, went, oh, all right, mate. It looked oh, a bit man. like, can be like, go away. Um, so, yeah, I loved him that much that I approached him wow. like, a, you know, like a, a love struck teenager. Actually, I tell you, tell you what, um, our good friend, uh, Matt Liston, very good friend of this mm. podcast. Uh, he has a real hatred of two things, uh, poetry and, um, <laughs> and uh, Scott Minto. Oh, and I, I, Scott Minto didn't play, didn't seem to play for us for all that long, maybe a season left back, wasn't he? Or maybe he was right back. Left but, back. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was all right. You know, it didn't set the world on fire, but I'm, I've never quite understood Matt's absolute eye. It, it could be. I don't know if you've ever watched Scott Minto on TV. He became a television no. presenter on Sky. Oh, you don't have Sky, do you? But he, no. he, he's on Sky. Right. Oh, and he? he's got what I believe is known in the entertainment industry as a shit-eating smile. <laughs> right. He, right. He, he's like a man who's been to TV presenter finishing school. <laughs> right. Um, right. And... It, there's there's something that kind of makes the skin crawl slightly right. when you're watching me. He's too eager to be slick right. and to be liked. And yeah. I, it, it made a lot of people go off him. And I don't know. We'd have to ask Matt. Maybe Matt's, yeah. maybe yeah. Matt's prejudice is entirely based on his football uh, performance. West Ham. He was a bang average player for us, but he was not shit. I tell you yeah. his words. When you're talking about shit left backs we've had, um, Mitchell Thomas was has got yes. to be there or thereabouts. Uh, Gary Charles. Gary Charles was right back. 
I was yeah, and was funny like enough, that. they were both signed from Benfica. I think they both ended up at Benfica during the Graham Souness era when Graham oh, Souness briefly yeah, yeah. managed them and took quite a few Portuguese players out there. And I think we got both of them back from oh, Benfica. God. Right. Yes. My um my my player that I liked that everybody else thought was crap, my secret like who I actually thought was quite good, was was a bloke called Keith Rowland. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Keith Rowland was good. Yeah, he got dogs abuse from people around us in the uh, Bobby. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he had a cultured left boot. Yeah, I would say. I think he played either left back and also left midfield, and was really good at crossing. He was a bit like the Kenny uh, Brown. He tended, yeah, he tended to fill in. He was a bit like yeah. It was it was it was before Jonathan Spector and after yeah. Kenny Brown. Yeah, it was like yeah. a it, it yeah. was a kind of and, and yeah. In a funny way, they were all sort of slightly similar looking in that they were. Yeah. Spector was a little bit better looking, but they were quite. Um, <laughs> they were they were sort of appropriately quite beige looking players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say I would say if we were doing best looking left backs, then I would put Scott Minto pretty high. Right, because of his presenter. Yeah. His, he does, his... yeah. I mean, he, you know, he, he's a good look in a convention, in a sort of a, a catalogue model kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to hand it to him on that front. You can't knock him. But then you look at Julian, best left back yeah. we've ever had, arguably. Yeah. yeah. Not, I can't see him in the CNA catalogue, in the menswear section, <laughs> can you? I, so. I mean, CNA, possibly. CNA, he might have sneaked into <laughs> CNA, but certainly not John Lewis. <laughs> I tell you not what, John if Lewis. he had, I wouldn't buy a jumper he was modelling. And that's <laughs> no. no disrespect to him. He's a hero of mine, but no. And funny enough, most people would probably say our second best left back ever would be Lampard. Frank Lampard Senior. Yeah. Also, also, no looker. <laughs> no, no looker by any means. No, quite no. the opposite. Mm. Um, and Sam, what was yours then? What was your question to us? Okay, I was going to ask you that one. Who do you, I've realised actually by stealing Jim's question and flipping it around, it becomes a lot more, it becomes boring because I'm basically saying who do you think is overrated, which is quite well yeah. worn. So I've got another one. Yeah. Now, this is actually one that I want to start compiling on new irons. Um, right. But I, here's as good a place to start as anywhere. I want to compile the mo- the top 100 most West Hammiest moments in West Ham's history. Oh, yes, yes. And I will nominate the game in, I believe, 1991. 1990, 1991, we were trying to get promoted uh, from the old first division, second division, whatever they called it back then. Um, it was in our second year down there. It was Billy Bonds' first season in charge. It went down to the final game, I think. Let me just see if I can find a league table here. Uh, well, anyway, it was us versus, I can't remember who, to go up. I think Oldham, maybe. And the last game of the season, we had to beat Notts County Not up to the park. yeah. And it was, you know, I mean, Notts County were decent. I think they ended up actually going up through the playoffs under Neil Warnock that year. But, you know, the whole thing was laid on a plate for us. Upton Park in the glorious sunshine, a May day in 1991. We all went ready to to invade the pitch and get our little bit of turf to take home and grow on our windowsills, right? And uh, we bloody lost it 2-1. So yeah, we went one, we went one nil up. We lost it, and I think what it was was I think Oldham, who I'm pretty certain were the team who ended up winning it. I yeah. think they we thought we were okay anyway because they'd been losing as well, right? So we thought, well, yeah. you know, we just have to get a, a, as the same result as them, <laughs> and I think maybe even if they drew, we'd be all right. And so then the last we heard was they were drawing. So at the final whistle, we invaded the pitch. And a huge party broke out and everyone was going crazy and celebrating. And then you could hear them trying to make a voice, trying to make itself heard on the tannoy. And I remember vividly that I was going to my mates, hang on a minute, hang on a minute and listening. And the first words I heard through all the noise and celebration was, but just remember, we're still going up. And that's the main thing. And I thought, (laughs) oh, fucking hell. 
Oh, he'd bloody blown it. Oldham have won. So the party had been in full swing for a good 10 minutes before the word started spread that, in fact, we hadn't won the league. And we'd all been singing champions and all the rest of it. And uh, and so suddenly the celebration, the edge was taken off it. And so that is the first thing that I would like to nominate for the West Hammiest Hall of Fame. Oh, that's yeah. really good. Good chat. I um, mean, I'd, I'd have to... Go on. Go on. Go on, Jim. I was going to say um, the Oma Yimni episode. Uh, yeah, right. that's mine. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, we... Um, uh, yeah. Well, go on, Jim. We we, well, well, we, we we win a game of football, don't we? Um, yeah. In the that, cup. That yeah. happens. Uh, it's replayed and uh, we lose it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sort of complex... All it's a complex <laughs> sort of set, set of interdependent things, isn't it? Because yeah. we're the better team, but they get a replay, and so we lose it. And doesn't Decanio miss a penalty? He missed the penalty. Against David James. Yes. But, I mean, so who, who were we playing? Because had come on as... Aston Villa. Ah. We'd been on loan somewhere. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Gillingham. I, Gillingham. I think Gillingham. Gillingham. I think it might have been Gillingham. It was Gillingham. Um, he'd been on loan somewhere, and he'd come on in that cup as a substitutes right at the end of one of their games and he'd forgotten he forgot to mention it and of course somehow the club the club being run in that was what really was really west that was the kind of ghastly outcome but also the sort of sense in which over the years you know what a key element of west hamminess is this just total uh, you know keystone cops uh, running of the club unprofessionalism um, it's just amateurishness back of yeah you know, and and so nobody had bloody checked. You know whether or not it just needed a phone call or something, didn't it? Just the idea that you're running a professional football club mm. and you don't know that one of your players is cup tied. Yeah, that yeah. is very West Hammy. Yeah, and Harry, I've heard Harry talk about it since because Harry loves all these stories of how of what a shit show it was at West Ham. <laughs> He's made a fortune out of it, not just by being paid by us, but then subsequently by retelling what a shit show it was and being paid handsomely for the anecdotes. And I've heard him tell that story, and he always contrives to be furious about it, as if he's the one who was the most put out. Harry, you were the manager. He's like, I couldn't fucking believe it. I said, stick him on. And then only later, someone say he was cup tied. And I'm thinking, but the buck has to stop with you for that. Yeah, yeah. But he, he's still now. He's like you hear him talk about, it and he's just livid. He, he's got a clever way of flipping it around. That before you've got a chance to uh, question his role in it, he's going livid and pointing the finger at someone else, which sort of yeah. distracts you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. No, that I mean that was um, uh, the Miami incident is a perfect sort of conflation of sort of shitty things kind of happening on the pitch, mm. but also yeah. a, a kind of administrative level. I mean, it probably <laughs> is as West Hammy as it possibly can be. Mm. You know, mm. um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Justin, it's, it doesn't. I can't off the top of my head really think of one, but um, just that. Uh, Penalty to go three one up, I think, against uh, Arsenal. Arsenal and yeah. Freddie yeah. Freddie Canuti. Freddie Canuti just rolls it to the goalkeeper. You sort of go, Oh, stick that away, mate. And you know, but not only, you know, does that sort of not win us that game, which which we would have worked hard and mm. got a good victory. We sort of drew it, and it seemed to like signal a mental collapse of the side that lasted the rest of the season. And it's crazy, isn't it? Like with football, you can sort of trace anything back. You could potentially trace anything back to being almost like um, our Archduke Ferdinand moment, yeah. uh, where you sort of think, had that penalty gone in. Uh, we would have won that game against Arsenal, who I think were the champions at the time, three one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you can trace. You could you could arguably trace everything to today from that moment. So yeah. we score. We go into the top three. There's you know a, a really talented team built yeah. on from there is confident. Confidence. We end up getting into Europe at the end of the season. Yeah. We grow the club from there. We get more money. We sign better players. And today, who knows where we are? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, but Canute misses yeah. that bloody yeah. penalty. Moment, and yeah. all these years yeah. later, 
here we are stuck in stuck in this sterile industrial estate being run by clowns and yeah. and in a perennial relegation dogfight. Yeah. The weird yeah. thing about that moment though is I think a lot of us went home because it's in August, right? So you got the mm. whole of the season ahead. But actually, it was it was that that sort of sense that we'd absolutely, particularly even the first half, we'd absolutely played Arsenal off the park. And, yeah. Uh, you know, Joe Cole was was running the show, scored a goal, and it, you know, it was that you know when they equalised because we didn't lose the game, but it felt yeah. like one of those draws that felt feels like a loss, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. Will I think it was got a late um, equaliser, and I actually went home and I was I was you know went around uh, I was uh, to friends of ours you know and and uh, talking football and I said. But I actually said, oh, God, I think we might be in trouble now. I actually mm. remember saying it. And it had that awful feeling that it was a kind of the pivotal moment of the season had already happened. Mm. And now, Sam, you're suggesting the pivotal moment of the entire history, yeah. of, the history of West Ham. Yeah, 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 that was it. Yeah, that was yeah. it. But you never know. You could trace any moment to that, yeah. couldn't you? Yeah. Any yeah. moment at all. You yeah. could trace Omnimni or our defeat to Notts County. <laughs> any of these moments could be the the key catalyst in in us in that where we are now but but then again you know look at look at the likes of leeds united you know or sheffield wednesday or nottingham forest yeah all clubs of similar size to us if not yeah. bigger and they must be looking at those moments all the time mustn't they yeah, yeah. and you sort of think well we, what have we got to complain about we're still in the top flight i suppose so yeah yeah absolutely yeah. maybe that's a point at which we should uh, wrap this up even though we haven't yeah. necessarily got through all of our questions we've hit probably about the hour mark so maybe we should uh, um go back and scavenge for food and feed our families uh, yeah. at this particular yeah. point um okay. yeah so uh, uh no predictions for the uh, next well, there's our usual when do we predict the system the the season will start again uh, i can't remember if it, that move to the end of april was had happened the last time we did one of these but uh, uh i can't remember what we said i think i said june ah fuck it we did it didn't we uh, so let's wrap this up shall we any fun <laughs> any final thoughts well my, my very very final thought was that actually going back to that last game at the bowling in fact, those last two games that Bolin put together, they were quite West Hammy, really, weren't they? Kind of a yeah. bit of glory at the end. Yeah. The previous uh, Saturday, well, a 4 0 yeah. demolition by Swansea. Yeah, I, mean, I, I felt that. West Ham uh, God, in a nutshell, really. Was it four? Bloody it hell. Four nil, yeah. God, yeah. yeah. It was a real just capitulation, wasn't it? Yeah. Because, yeah. in a way, for me. Um, because, you know, my history of supporting West Ham had more Saturday afternoon, three o'clock memories in it than evening games. Mm. That game felt to me, I felt more nostalgia when we went to the Black Lion and then walked to the game from there, yeah. you know, on yeah. that day than I did with the yeah. evening game against Manchester, Manchester United. Mm. Mm. Um, so to just cave and lose that game yeah. so routinely to Swansea was really really yeah, terrible was and it was really poor yeah and it was great that the uh, um you know the iron was pulled out of the fire with that last game you know it was, yeah. it was, it was yeah. an extraordinary night yeah yeah the yeah. position of those two games is very West Hammy yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're right is that very true and that sums it up juxtaposition Good choice of words from Jim. Uh, classic. Uh, what what a way to end. Classic Jim. Classic Jim. Uh, my name has been Phil Whelans. This is Stop Hammer Time. And uh, with me this week have been Jim Grant. Cheerio. And Sam Delaney. Ta-da. Come on, you irons. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.